Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of Transforming 45. Today, uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We've got Tina Osborne with us, and she is an educator, as well as an entrepreneur, uh, a coach, a a beauty representative, and you do work on the shopping channel as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. All the above. Yeah. So (laughs) a woman who does, who does a lot of things. Yeah. And I'm really excited to hear your story today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and I'm so happy you've um, launched this. And I think you have a lot of great things to, to share and to say, like you got me yesterday when you talked about how our kids are growing. Uh, I know that's a whole different conversation, but we we both have children that are like um, nearing post-secondary and and kind of like branching out on their own. And like, there's no one prepares you for this. No. (laughs) There's no books. (laughs) There are no books. I, I done a live video yesterday. So if you were looking for it on a podcast, it's, well, maybe we'll just talk about it right now. (laughs) Um, I done a, a video yesterday because my oldest, who was 18, just started getting his uh, acceptances to university. And I've talked, I have talked about it a little bit before on the podcast, because this, it's one of the main reasons for transformation in my Mm -hmm. life, in that this phase of life suddenly hits you. And you find yourself in a place, place you didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And I was having this conversation with a younger mom the other day. And I said, you know, you think that the transition as your kids get older will be easier than when you had a baby. Right. Right. And your entire identity shifted overnight. But what I'm finding is it's not easier. No, it's not. It's just different. Yeah. And um, it's easier in the sense that they're much more self-reliant and they Mm -hmm. can take care of themselves and... And here we are like on March break. It's March break here yeah. in Ontario. And um, I haven't really seen my son. He's out with his friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just never, I, I miss them in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, abso- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is almost as immediate. Like you don't think it's yes. going to be such an immediate yeah, shift. Is. Yeah. But it is because one day they get a job and uh, a, a license oh to drive. Gosh. The driver's license was the, the day. Yeah. Yeah, Bye-bye. yeah, I know. And then, so it is almost as immediate as that, like, holy shit, I'm a mom and I have to keep yeah. this thing alive to yeah. holy shit, I don't have to keep this thing alive anymore. Yeah. And suddenly I have all of this time right. and I didn't ever consider what this time was going to mm-hmm. be because up until that point, you're building a life mm-hmm. to support this family. Right. And that's kind of where my journey starts, actually, Mm -hmm. is sort of this idea of time. Because when my kids got a little bit older, I realized, okay, I have a little bit more time for myself. What is it that I want to dive into? And what is it that I've kind of neglected for myself in all these years of being a mom and pouring it, pouring everything into them and their needs and wants? And that's sort of how my um, transition from educator to entrepreneur began. Uh Yeah. So um, just to back up a little bit, I've been teaching since 2002. And actually, teaching was never my goal. Like, I didn't grow up wanting to be a teacher. Uh Did you grow up wanting to be a teacher? No. No. I grew (laughs) up not wanting to be a teacher because my dad was an educator. I see. Yeah. And I watched how... It 
took over his whole life. Mm -hmm. Like quite honestly, growing up, I didn't spend a lot of time with him. I didn't see him a lot because teaching, teaching becomes your entire life, Mm -hmm. right? It's not something you do from nine to five. Exactly. Especially if you get involved and you do all the things Mm -hmm. like coaching and producing plays and clubs and teams and all those things, which is what you kind of naturally do fall into as a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's where the fun stuff is. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then for me, when COVID hit, um, my two children who were, you know, in their later teens at the time, um, weren't doing any of their sports, weren't doing any of their activities. And myself as a teacher wasn't coaching, wasn't producing plays, wasn't running clubs and running student council, all the things that I used to enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself with a lot of spare time. And so, um, but getting back to what I, becoming a teacher in the first place, mm-hmm. I never really wanted to become a teacher in the first place. Becoming a teacher was the answer to wanting to be a mom first mm-hmm. and wanting to be a mom that also had a meaningful career. Mm-hmm. But my background like my what I went to university for was actually radio and television so Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something in journalism and television something like that but then as I was dabbling in that industry as I just graduated I was quickly realizing that it doesn't that type of job doesn't have regular hours Mm -hmm. like you're all over the place you could be shipped off to somewhere to cover a story or you're doing the late night newscast or you're doing the early morning newscast and at that time I had met my husband and I I really wanted to have family mm-hmm. and I really wanted to um, be with them as much as possible. And so I thought, what job can I do that would allow me to still do something meaningful and purposeful, but give me time with my family. And I thought, Oh, I'll be a teacher because then when they're home, I'm home summers, Christmas, all that stuff. And when they're at school, I'm at school. So went to teacher's college, got my degree, got a job and quickly started working and quickly started realizing I don't really like this all that much. <laughs> Um, I mean, it was okay. I think my very first job in teaching was elementary because at the beginning, I didn't want to have a thing to do with teenagers. I'm a little bit afraid of afraid of teenagers. I don't know yeah. why. I just not well, they, well, they I have that. They, they have that that um, narrative written about them. exactly. Yes. And and not that I had a negative uh, experience in my own high school. I loved high school, mm-hmm. and so it just. I just didn't want to deal with teenagers. So I went to um, become a teacher for K to six and I got my first job at a, in a grade two, three classroom. And I just felt like the entire year I was drowning. You know, mm-hmm. you're going from reading circles to lit, um, numeracy counters to art projects to, Oh, now we got to go to the gym and I have to think of something meaningful for them to do in the gym. Mm-hmm. And then we have to come back and we have to do, um, you know, geography. And I was just like a jack of all trades, mm-hmm. continually drowning, like just when they start getting rolling in whatever activity, we're putting it away, we're moving on to the next activity. And I just kind of felt like I can't keep up. Mm-hmm. And so then um, I had I, I got pregnant and had my first child. So I was on a mat leave. So I got to kind of think and readjust. And then when I went back, they put me in a little older grade. I was in a grade five, which I enjoyed a little bit more because mm-hmm. they were a little bit more um, independent. Uh, but still, I just felt like it, it, in terms of subject matter, it was even harder because now the science gets more complicated, mm-hmm. the math gets more complicated. And here I am trying to teach. And I know it sounds crazy. Here I am, a university educated person having a difficult time teaching grade five science. But but, it, but <laughs> it's not it's not that aspect of it. It's that you it's what you said earlier. You have to be a jack of all trades. Yeah. You have to do all things, all the things. And that is one of the having. Um, 
been an educator in K to 12 as well. That's one of the main differences that I really saw between secondary education is that it, it comes with its own set of challenges, mm -hmm. but you get to focus. Yeah. You become a little bit more specialized on one thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I related to what you were saying because it also was one of the things that put me under the waves mm -hmm. was having to be all things and many of us who are educators, our personalities demand that we be the best right. at all things. <laughs> and it's not possible for one person to be the best at all things and be what every kiddo in your space yeah. needs you to be in all of those different things. It's a, it's a, it's an unimaginable and mm -hmm. it's an unachievable task. Mm -hmm. And so we're really setting people up to fail mm -hmm. and to have, and to hold that burden of not being enough. Yeah. It was yeah. really hard. And actually to make matters worse, the job I got in, in um, my first school, I was replacing a very well adored teacher who was moving on to a higher level position at the school board. Right. And so she was a uh, renowned teacher and, and really, amazing at what she did and then here I was fresh out of teachers college mm. <laughs> and I think they all yep. thought oh good she'll come with these fresh ideas and she's got a fresh energy which I did mm -hmm. but I also didn't have the experience like it took a long time to get my feet wet mm -hmm. and so then um by that time my husband got a new job and so we had to move so we had to move um cities move um regions so i had to kind of start from scratch mm -hmm. and i did that by supply teaching and then i was supply teaching only doing elementary because that was what i was comfortable with and then uh one day well when you're supply teaching you meet other supply teachers mm -hmm. and you kind of bump into each other all the time and so one day one of them said you know you should try high school i think you'd really like it and i was like no 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 not interested and he's like, it's actually an easier supply teaching gig. Mm -hmm. And I said, really? Like the teenagers? He's like, oh yeah, they, they just do what they're told. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see how this works. So one day I, out of, out of um, necessity, I took a half day at a high school. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll give it a try. Half day. It won't kill me. So I got there, got my instructions, went to the classroom. It was a French class. And I walked in and I said, okay, hi, good morning. Bonjour. <laughs> I'm your teacher for the day. Your teacher said to read these pages and do these questions and they just did it. Wow. And I was like, now what? Like, I just sit <laughs> okay. here for 75 minutes and they do the work. Like it was actually pretty incredible. I, I must've gotten lucky that I had a really great class, didn't have any problems. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, oh, this is actually a kind of nice environment. Like I really liked the high school. Mm -hmm. So then I um, went back and got some extra qualifications and started um, only focusing on teaching high school. And then I got a full-time high school teaching position in 2007. So at that time, my kids were like four and one. Mm -hmm. So they were really, really little. And um, and it was perfect because I'd put them, I'd take them to their daycare. I'd go to my job and then I'd come back. Mm -hmm. and, then, and that's what we did for until they were, you know, uh, 12 and 15 kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I, I started to think, okay, this has kind of run its course. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit. And at that point, they were like uh, thir thir 14 and, and 16 kind of thing and very much more independent. And, and like I said earlier, I just kind of felt like, 
okay, I wasn't involved in all the things that I was involved in. Neither were they. We had lots of spare time. We had done all the cooking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had done all the, like, all the things we did during COVID, right? The, the hikes and the baking and mm-hmm. the art projects. And then finally I was like, okay, I think I want something a little bit more. And so I was following a friend of mine on social media who was doing her social selling. It was like a jewelry line. And mm-hmm. I just had been following her for about a year and just watching what she was doing and really admired that she like, I just thought it looked like a lot of fun mm-hmm. and she was making money. Like this was her job. And I thought, okay, I think that's something I want to do. Now this was a girl that I didn't even know. I just somehow stumbled on her page through, I guess somebody invited me. Mm-hmm. And so, but she ironically lived in my town. So I reached out to her one day and I just said, hi, you don't know me, but I've been following you for a year and I really want to do what you do. And so she reached back and she said, great. <laughs> um, this is what I do. And this is how I do it. And I said, okay, sign me up. And she just kind of basically said, just follow me and kind of do what I do until you kind of get your own voice and your own way of doing things. And, and I did, and I had some mild success. I, I sold a couple of items and, and my friends jumped on board and they followed me and I was, I was uh, learning how to do Facebook lives and, mm. and all that stuff. And it was bringing me back to what I originally enjoyed, which was radio and television. Mm-hmm. Like I liked that kind of thing. Um, and so I really started to feel myself again and feel like something I was good at. And then all of a sudden I got introduced to this makeup line and, um, and the makeup line it's called Saint. I, I hope it's okay. But like, yeah, say go right ahead. <laughs> and, um, and I was, at first I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do makeup sales because in order to do makeup sales, I would have to show myself without makeup. Right. (laughs) I would have to go online with no makeup on to show people how it comes together. And I don't think I'm prepared to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I want to show my face with no makeup on. That's how like it was hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I finally jumped in and I thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go for it because Mm -hmm. like this is me and I want people to see like, it's not always pretty. Like there's not, I, I don't have the best skin and I don't have great eyebrows and like, but I, I make it work by applying makeup and, and it makes me feel good about myself. And that's kind of the whole point. Mm-hmm. And so that really took off for me. And I, and my Facebook group just grew and grew and I found uh, more and more customers. And that's actually how we connected. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. remember who was it Jeanette? They no, did... Jeanette came through me. Oh, so okay. another uh, colleague of mine was having a party oh, and, invi- okay. and had invited me. Yes. So I ordered some things. I loved the products. Yeah. Yeah. And then I hosted and yes. then I hosted a party. Yes. Yeah. And then we connected through mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so that's that's been so much fun for me to meet these amazing women who I ordinarily would have never have met. Mm-hmm. And what's more enjoyable is being able to serve them and, and help them find something that gives them joy and gives them um, confidence. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really rewarding for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it pulled, I've got a couple of questions okay. in my head now. So yeah, I talked a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's perfect. Um, So there's two things I'm kind of thinking about. So one, when you talked about not wanting to do it because you'd have to show yourself Mm -hmm. without makeup, it highlights that push and pull that we feel as women. So Mm -hmm. like in full transparency, I love wearing makeup. I love 
fashion and clothing. You know, I do my hair. My hair doesn't naturally look like this. <laughs> Neither does mine. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hot, irregular mess. Oh, yeah. I'm um, one of those people that, like, I cannot just wash and go. No. No. <laughs> no. It's not pretty. Some of my hair is straight, and yes. some of it's ringlets, and some of it's waves, and it's completely totally. random. Same. So... There, so we have these narratives that we've written for ourselves around um, our value mm -hmm. when we don't look the way the narrative has been written that we should look. Yeah. Like just by even saying that, right? Like my hair is this random mix of a hot <laughs> mess. <laughs> like, but that's just how it is. And at the same time, there is this like joy and creativity mm -hmm. that comes through in makeup and hair and people who do that for a profession. Like you can see how passionate they are mm -hmm. about it in terms of like the art and the craft of it. So there's this really complex intersection. Mm -hmm. I want to call it of like, how do we accept ourselves as we are? And also accept the parts of ourselves that want to put on makeup and do our hair. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that because prior to me um, getting involved in Saint and, and being an entrepreneur, I actually took a yoga teacher training because I also was interested in learning about yoga and becoming a yoga teacher. And when I did that, that was back in like 20, I want to say 2017 or maybe it was 2018, either way. Um, I initially just thought the course was going to be, okay, here are the poses. This is how the poses are supposed to be done. This is a, this is how you can sequence the poses, blah, blah, blah. Like very scientific, very mathematical, very like right. step-by-step. But actually it was the best therapy I've ever done in my life. Uh -huh. It was very um, therapeutic. It was very um, eye-opening for me. Prior to that, I, I knew I had body issues. Like I'd uh -huh. grown up in the, um, I'd grown up, doing some modeling, but I say that with hesitancy because I, I shouldn't, because I was successful. I had success, but my biggest issue was that I don't have a natural model body and I'm doing air quotations right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because back in those days, like in the nineties, it, that was a prerequisite. You had to have those measurements. You uh -huh. had to be a certain height or within a certain height range. Uh -huh. You had to have the certain measurements within a very tight range and that was that. <clears throat> Nowadays, it is nice to see that that is changing and that we see models of all different shapes and sizes. Um, although I think there's still a lot of work to be done in that industry. But uh, back when I was doing it, there was a standard and you had to have it. I had the height. Mm -hmm. I did not have the measurements. So I had to work really, really hard to get there in unhealthy ways. And it's just not my body type. Yeah. And I got there in unhealthy ways and worked. But my body fought me back so hard every step of the way. And, and eventually I gained back all the weight I had lost and then some and felt like complete garbage because mm -hmm. all of a sudden my identity as this model was no longer yeah. like I didn't have that. Well, we grew up in the height of the yeah, supermodel, the nineties. Yeah. 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 Like those were, those were the standards of beauty. Exactly. And there was no variation. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's important in this conversation to acknowledge, like, I also acknowledge that I'm a white woman having this conversation. And even though the standards of beauty that I saw were unattainable in the like small in the smallness mm -hmm. of it, 
they looked like me. The majority of the supermodels, right. I saw myself reflected in them. They had the same color of skin as I did. And so I felt like it was it was attainable, mm-hmm. right? So like the, that narrative of beauty wasn't so outside of myself. Right. And for women of color, this becomes even more complex mm-hmm. because the narrative of the European white face being the standard of beauty makes it impossible mm-hmm. in so L- many ways. Literally, literally impossible. impossible. Yeah. Whereas for us, it was just a, okay, I'll just not eat today. And then I'll, it's, it's attainable, but it mm, certainly wasn't but... attainable for so many other people. No. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so when I, when I lost all that, like my modeling agency dumped me because I was no longer um, employable and right. it just made me feel like nothing because at that point, even though I grew up being a good student, I grew up being a good athlete. I had loving parents. I lost that thing that made me who I was. And then it mm. just made me, I had nothing left. I didn't know what to do with myself. So, um, for years and years, I struggled with body image and, and comparing myself to what I was, to what I had achieved and why can't I get there again? And I'll be happy when I'll be happy mm-hmm. when I lose 10 pounds, I'll be happy when da da da, whatever. And so the yoga teacher training really helped me get out of that headspace. And I, I attribute it to a lot of the uh, journaling that we had to do a lot of the um, affirmations that we had to say. And at first, it felt so silly. And the journaling felt so like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I'm just literally writing down random thoughts in my head. But uh, once you start doing it more and more, you start kind of streamlining it into what you need. And um, so I was able to do the work and, and to really help myself heal and, and find beauty in myself, no matter what size I was. Mm-hmm. And so then getting back to years later, being afraid to go makeup mm-hmm. on the screen, I kind of had to kick myself and remember like, hey, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You have you are beautiful inside and out. And it's People want to see this. Mm-hmm. They want to see raw, real things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And most people who, I mean, there's always random people on the internet. However, the people <laughs> that matter in your life. Right. Right. When they look at you, they see you regardless if, if you are if you are wearing makeup mm-hmm. or what your hair looks like. They see the truth that they see in you anyway. Yeah. So it's that like yesterday when I made that video, mm-hmm. when I watched it back, all I could see was the little gray hairs glistening at the ah, front. I did not notice your gray hairs. Right. See, <laughs> nobody notices right. the things that we think we need to cover up. Yeah. Nobody else notices because everybody else is so busy just witnessing who you are. Yeah. That's so interesting because one of the <clears> main <throat> reasons why I was afraid to go on Facebook without makeup on was not so much what my family or my close friends would say, but I was Mm -hmm. worried what my male colleagues would say. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but you know what? You're probably right to say that they probably wouldn't have even noticed. Like, I don't know if they would have. Like, (laughs) I think when I look at a picture of myself with no makeup on and then a picture of myself with makeup on, I think there's a huge difference, but Mm -hmm. I would bet like I could, my husband probably doesn't even notice half the time. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I was creating these ideas in my head that I'm this monster without mm-hmm. makeup on and just mm-hmm. because none of my male colleagues and even female colleagues for that matter, really, like that I would go to school with mm-hmm. would have never seen me like not 
made up. Right. Not to say that I wear a ton of makeup, but I do yeah. wear makeup every day to, you know, make myself feel better. Mm-hmm. And so then for them to see me without it, I was really, that was the one hurdle to get over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, <laughs> it is because there's so many external things that we tie into our identity. Yeah. Right. Like my hair is a huge part of my identity. <laughs> I could not imagine not having it. And I use it as shields in many ways. Okay. Because as long as my hair is great, then it creates this illusion that everything else is great. Yeah. And sometimes that, again, that's where that push pull comes Mm -hmm. in, right? Like I can present myself as being totally put together, like Mm -hmm. as an educator. And I would use it as a weapon as well, especially when I was um, a central facilitator or so I um, facilitated professional development and I coached other educators for a decade. Okay. And when I was going into a situation in which I was feeling a little bit intimidated, I always would put on my smartest blazer. Mm -hmm. My hair had to be perfect makeup done. And I would wear high heels also because I'm tall. Mm -hmm. I'm almost five ten, And when I put high heels on, I'm almost, I'm over six feet, which puts me in a power position. Mm -hmm. Right. So I am this tall, put together woman who comes into a room and I used that as my weapon of choice to build some intimidation hmm. in the people who were yeah, in the room. I can identify with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would for me, it would be my face, like putting makeup on. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and needing to feel like the prettiest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's amazing the things that we also feel like we need, right? So part of me doing that was, especially when I was going into a room of men who held power, I didn't want them necessarily to see me as the prettiest person in the room. I wanted them to know I was the fucking smartest person in the room. Right, right. And so that's why the glasses and the blazer. Mm -hmm. And I also used words and vocabulary really intentionally to show, I don't care who you are. Trust me, I'm smarter than you are. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And it served its purpose, Mm -hmm. right? It saved, it acted as that shield. It's, it was a block for some of the intimidation that I was feeling Mm -hmm. because I could see that I was intimidating some people. And I was like, okay, well, if you feel it, then I don't have to feel it. Right. And that also becomes a literal shield in the way that you can connect with people. So when I, as I look back and reflect on that now, it's so much uh, an internalization of ideals of white women feminism, Mm -hmm. where we feel like we have to show up Mm -hmm. in that male energy in the same way that that a man who holds power would show up. Right. And I understand so deeply now that that didn't just hurt me, but it hurt the way we were unable to move forward. Because when we don't make space for different 
ways of approaching something for different ways of being, Mm -hmm. we miss out on the most important, on the most important solutions or the most important processes or the Mm -hmm. most important ways. And I couldn't ever be my true self. That woman who showed up wanting to intimidate other people is not who I am at all. Right. Right. Yeah. It was an identity that I like wrote and created. Right. For survival. Yeah. 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 And that's interesting because one time when I was first starting that teaching job in that primary elementary school, I had, at first I had a male principal who I really liked and and he was very kind to me. And I think he felt like, you know, he was on his last year and I was in my first year. So Mm -hmm. we kind of had an interesting bond. And then when he retired, he was replaced by a female who was probably about 10 years older than me at the time. So she had very quickly uh, gone through the ranks and became a principal. And one time uh, we were doing something, we, I don't know what it was, but I felt like she didn't um, like me very much or we were butting heads, but Mm -hmm. I'm not a confrontational person at all. Mm -hmm. So I was allowing her to, to be the boss. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. No problem. Yep. But I felt a, a weird energy between us. And one time kind of out of the blue, she looked at me and she goes, you're so pretty. Mm-hmm. And I was so insulted in that moment mm-hmm. that this woman who was my superior could only think of one thing to say to me, which was that I was pretty, which had nothing to do with me being a, t- a good teacher or doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And it was, it just, it was such a slap in the face, but it also like made me think like, okay, <clears throat> I guess sometimes I do look for validation in my appearance, but I don't want to only be pretty. Yeah. I want to be more than that. Yeah, it's such a complex, I'm going to use that word intersection again, like I did earlier, because the narratives are written and scientifically it's proven that the better looking you are and the taller you are, the more successful you are. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that data set exists Mm -hmm. and that, that preconception in our society exists And so when you have those physical attributes, you use them. Mm -hmm. And then along with that comes the guilt and shame of that. Mm -hmm. And knowing that it's, (laughs) it's so absurd, right? Because I didn't do anything to be tall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, it's not as if I, you worked out or you like ate certain foods or whatever. Like, it's just, it's just, you can't help that. No, it's just literally what you are, what you come into this world with. That's genetics. And it has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just what I wear on the outside. So that's why it always feels so hollow Mm. when someone says, oh, you're so pretty. Mm -hmm. But it often is the thing that that person is saying is coveting in and, and that also leads to that sense of, but this like prettiness mm-hmm. is not what we aspire to really mm-hmm. anyone. Yeah. We just want to be seen for who we really are. That's true. And also I believe like prettiness, aside from maybe putting your best foot forward in terms of, you know, taking care of yourself is also one of those genetic things that mm-hmm. I didn't like, thank you. I mean, I don't know what to say to that. Like yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't put myself together genetically. No, <laughs> I'm not a Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and I say all this and I, I, 
I still, of course, say this with a grain of salt, like, because I, I struggle with how I feel on the inside versus how I look on the outside mm -hmm. and, and all that. And I certainly don't think I'm the prettiest person in the room, but I, when other people say that to you and then that becomes your identity and then all of a sudden that identity is no longer valid for whatever reason in your own mm -hmm. eyes it it makes you feel like okay well what else do i have to offer so mm -hmm. um so i was really insulted when she said i was pretty because i'm like wait a minute you're my principal you're supposed to be telling me things like i'm smart i'm hardworking, i have a good rapport with the kids i'm you know, all these things that are supposed to be good qualities of a teacher, mm -hmm. by what I look like has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's tough. But it was probably the thing that that human felt intimidated Yeah. That's by. interesting that you say that because I never really thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And I, I was intimidated by her. Mm -hmm. And so here you're saying that perhaps she was intimidated by me mm -hmm. and that blows my mind because she was so much more um, professional and like had so much more experience and I was just still so new. Mm -hmm. And, but here you could hear you say that she was intimidated for something completely different, yeah. which is interesting and yeah. such a female struggle. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it's what makes it so complicated, mm -hmm. right? The, the leadership, because all of the, the scarcity narratives of there's not enough. Like if you're a woman who makes it to a table where the majority of the people are men, the pressure to succeed and to do well is 10 times what anybody else at that table feels. Mm -hmm. And so you start taking on identities that aren't your own to try to maintain that success so that you're not making a space where someone can say, see, we hired a woman and look what happened. Right. So yeah. you hold all that pressure mm -hmm. and then it makes it even hard. You are harder on the women coming behind you mm -hmm. because you need them to also be there and be fully like be that person so that nobody can say, see, we hired a woman and look what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's <laughs> the layers are so intense and deep. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about taking on a leadership style that wasn't my own. Right, right. Right. And that's, I feel like mm -hmm. women at our stage now, mm -hmm. as we're coming into this awareness, I feel like this is a time and there's a space where we can start breaking down those narratives and say, you don't have to lead that way. Right. You can be yourself you can be your whole self mm -hmm. and look what happens when we all bring our actual authentic selves to the table right like you actually have something to say and something right. that people want to hear mm -hmm. and i think yeah like getting back to me not wanting to go makeup free and yeah. show people my true face um when i finally just kind of said you know what screw it i'm gonna do it i think people really appreciated that and i mm -hmm. also think that in the beauty industry we're we're really trying to um, get away from the idea of a model. Mm -hmm. and, and everyone now knows about Photoshop and everyone knows now like the secret's out. No one really looks that way. And so I think people are really appreciating seeing people in their mid forties and mm -hmm. people of all different um, ethnicities and different ages and different sizes. And even a men in these roles too, transgender women and just seeing like, okay, if all these people can, 
are brave enough to go out there and say, this is me raw. And then this is me when I put a little bit of makeup on and I, and I feel good about myself, then that will open the doors for other people to want to do that too. Mm -hmm. I hope. I hope so too. (laughs) Yeah. Because that is the most beautiful intention of that, Mm -hmm. right? It's that I'm not trying to change myself. Right. Right. I'm trying, I'm just expressing myself. Right. So that I can show on the outside what I feel on the inside. I love that. And, you know, I got, like I have a friend who, who loves wearing makeup and she has a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a trademark lip mm-hmm. and her lip is this like fuchsia, bright fuchsia lipstick. And it's yeah. kind of just her color. And, you know, and, and I love that about her. And, and just like you said, it, it, it's trying, she's trying to transcend, transcend how she feels on the inside, on the outside in the form of makeup mm-hmm. to show this is me. And I love this big, bold color. And, and, and that's who I want to be. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to project. Yeah. 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 It is really as humans, it's the only tool that we have to do that. Right? Yeah. Especially when we're, maybe when we are a little bit nervous about sharing who we are on the inside, mm-hmm. like I've just put, pulling back the armor. Mm-hmm. Like when I think back to myself in those sessions where I would go in with my high heels and my blazer and my jacket and the whole thing, how vulnerable I felt mm-hmm. if I had taken that stuff off and just stood in front of them in my bare feet. Yeah. I would have felt vulnerable, but now looking back on it, I know I would have made a more authentic connection. Right. And that's what you're right. That's what it's all about is the authentic connections, right? Mm-hmm. And just trying to be your true self and, and finding um, ways that you can connect with other women that are struggling too. Mm-hmm. Cause I think we're all struggling in some way to, especially at this age where yeah. we're both in our mid forties and just trying to get back to, okay, what was I again? And you know, when I talk mm-hmm. about that, I, I like to use the phrase that I learned in, in yoga, which is your Dharma. Mm-hmm. So, well, my definition of Dharma is sort of like that inner child, that sort of like whatever it was when you were younger that you were drawn to. Is mm-hmm. that what you would say that is? Mm-hmm. You've used that yeah. term before? Okay. Yeah. And so I often will say to like my students or uh, even just to my colleagues and, and the ladies that I sell makeup to and that want to join my, my team and also continue to do this journey, like what is your Dharma? Like what were you, what did you naturally, what were you naturally drawn to when you were little mm-hmm. before you had any inhibitions about boys should do this and girls should do this? Like, what did you like to do? Mm-hmm. And, and it's always, people sometimes have a hard time answering that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your, what's your Dharma? What, what did you like to do when you were little? Uh, so there's this, what did I like to do? I, I don't know that I would, I would define it as what I liked to do, okay. but it was like the essence of who I am. Okay, so yeah, in yeah. this hallway, okay, there is a picture of me when I'm about three years old and I am, st- it's a hundred percent pure eighties gold. Love like, it. <laughs> although it's black and white, okay. but I am wearing like a pair of Wonder Woman underwears, yeah, yeah, yeah. naked from the waist up, <laughs> standing in a like splash pool. And I just have like the biggest green and glow on my face. That is my Dharma. Right. Right. Yes. That girl who wasn't afraid, the girl who was full of life, the, mm-hmm. my godmother, Mary Woods love her Mm -hmm. um, and miss her every day. Um, She used to describe me as being this imp that had magic in my eyes. Oh yeah. And I'm like, that's it. Right. That girl who was the imp with magic in her eyes. And, and so why, and where does that magic go? Mm -hmm. When we we become teenagers and young women and 
and then wives and mothers. And, and we're just so consumed with creating that magic in our own children that we forget that we still have our own magic. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I, I can identify with you as that Wonder Woman little girl too, but I was a little bit more, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I loved to please. And I know that women tech tend to be looked down on as people pleasers. And we, we all are realizing that we can't always be people pleasers, but I feel like in my core, I actually am a people pleaser <laughs> <laughs> because I have an older brother and he would just say like, I would do anything for him. And he would say like, Tina, go, can you go make me a sandwich? And I'd be like, I'd be like, yes, what kind, what would you like? Like, I just loved it. It brought me joy to bring him joy. Right. And yeah. so I think, as a now as an adult i still like to think that like i love pleasing and serving people mm -hmm. and so but i i also have come to the point where now i don't want to be walked all over yes so i'd be like dave go make yourself a bloody sandwich mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> but that yeah. but i still love serving and i think that's what did suit me well as a teacher because mm -hmm. it's very much a giving um profession yeah but it comes to a point where you're like, you know what? I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm done giving. Mm -hmm. uh, but but I like to, I still like to give. It's in my nature. So I'm doing it now in a different way. Like mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm giving women the opportunity to find themselves and to find their beauty and to find their joy. And I, I always look at what I do as more of a service. Like I'm serving women mm -hmm. and, and helping them get over that hump of mm -hmm. feeling like crummy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I approach my business in the same way. And it's, it's a real evolution because as you said, as educators who are givers, and I'll, like we got paid for what we did clearly, sure. right? Like <laughs> stable income. Mm -hmm. But because you're not the person who's behind the generation of that, mm. you, you just focus on that aspect of yeah, it. And true. so when you shift into being an entrepreneur, for me, there has been this huge shift of like, oh, now I have to sell myself. And, and am I really worthy? Mm, oh, yeah. That's a huge one, right? Like, yes. Where do I fit here? And why? Why? Sh what makes me think I could do this? Mm -hmm. and whereas there's already women doing this. So now where do I like, do I have to reinvent the wheel? Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that you don't. Yeah. Because we're all different. Yes. And we serve in different ways, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, we yeah, absolutely. We definitely have our own light and mm -hmm. life experience yes, and energy yeah. that we bring into the world. Yeah. Yeah. So there definitely is a place for all of us. Mm -hmm. And the practical day to day of having to market yourself mm -hmm. and get your message out there is not easy when that hasn't been part of your reality in the past. True. Yeah. And it does start making making you aware of all of the mindsets that we have around around money mm -hmm. and wealth and wealth development. And I talked about this in my episode with Laura Brailsford. The, she's a financial planner. Oh, yeah. Um, that you really have to shift your mindset from that scarcity because we all have been imprinted and programmed with scarcity mm -hmm. that there's never enough. Right. There's never there's not enough space for me. Mm -hmm. I I am not enough mm -hmm. to bring to the table. There won't be enough resources. There won't be. There is this really powerful narrative of scarcity, which has been crafted really intentionally to keep you small. Mm -hmm. And so when you start untangling yourself from that narrative of scarcity, you start letting yourself out of that box and letting yourself be that 
initial spark of who Mm -hmm. you were that little girl right gets to grow up and out of the box but fuck it's scary it is scary because as an educator and as you know we we do get paid very well for what we do and we have this is what like my dad so you you come from a line of teachers Mm -hmm. i was the first no one in my family is a teacher some extended family but not really and so my dad was always like my dad didn't even graduate high school because my dad was a hockey player so he um got drafted and i think I have to double check. I think he has since got his GED, but I don't mm. think, but at the time he didn't graduate high school and my mom just graduated high school and got married. Like they right. got married, they had kids. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't come from a long line of educated people. My brother and I were really the first like generation to go to university. And so my dad was all like, so happy when I decided to become a teacher because mm-hmm. he, I think that was something he always wanted to do. And then he was like, and the pension, mm-hmm. the pension, the golden handcuffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. so at the time I was like, yeah, yeah, it's great. And you know, pension was so far from my mind when mm-hmm. I first started teaching. And now that I'm exploring and, and want to go, go further, that pension start, kind of keeps railing you back in. But again, it's just that mindset, that scarcity mindset that we've always believed. I listen to a pod, I listen to a ton of podcasts mm-hmm. uh, and read a lot of books. And one of them, I forget which one it was, but one of them talked about like our, our lid, like mm-hmm. we, we create these lid or a ceiling yeah. for ourselves. And so for us, it was the, the teacher grid, Yes, the, the grid that, that you get paid. And then, and that was my lid. And I'd mm-hmm. be like, that's great. I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm doing more and reading more and learning more, I'm like, wow, I'm going to blow this fucking lid because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, that's holding me back. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I had better drawing skills, I have this idea in my mind where I want to draw like the school board or the school and like me trying to escape the school. Mm-hmm. Like they're literally, their hands are around me, holding me in. The golden mm-hmm. handcuffs. The golden maybe. handcuffs. Yeah. Absolutely. And then on the, on the far side of the page is like, abundance mm-hmm. and but there is that fear what if i fail mm-hmm. so um i'm just gonna go for it anyway yeah <laughs> because you know i feel like nothing's guaranteed no even nothing. that pension nope. it's not guaranteed you know it's funny i was talking to my husband because he's very much a budgeter and this mm-hmm. is and he's he is he's scared he's mm-hmm. scared of me taking the sleep mm-hmm. he's finally kind of okay with it um, and it's a fine line and we could have a whole other conversation on this about finding that um, compromise with mm-hmm. your spouse because, yeah. you know, I want, we, we both need to be happy in the decision. So yeah. anyway, um, he's very much a budgeter and, oh my gosh, I just had a total brain melt. I felt That's okay. Oh, you were, ta- you were talking about um, being able to trust yourself, yeah. I think that oh nothing's guaranteed nothing oh yes is guaranteed. thank you yeah. you got me right back on track um we were talking about you know those scratch uh scratch tickets the mm-hmm. cash for life okay yeah so you win cash for life you get the life 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 on the scratch ticket so what do you do your options are you pick the cash for life which is getting what a thousand dollars a week i don't mm-hmm. know i don't really play lottery tickets so yeah. i don't know but then the other option is there's a buyout option so they give you like a big lump sum and you take that. So what do you what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, the old me would have said, "I'm going to take the cash for the week weekly mm-hmm. payout, so that every week I have uh, fresh money." But the new me would be like, "I'm taking that lump sum because mm-hmm. I need to get hit by a bus tomorrow." Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I I really believe that that when my mom died mm. was the planting of the seed for me 
of how my life has unfolded. Okay. Yeah. Because my mom had same. So she graduated from high school. She started, she was in office. She did some modeling as well. Okay. She was in an office, in a school office. And then she supported my dad through teacher's college. And then when he was teaching, she was a stay at home mom with me. And it wasn't until I mean, she, and then when I, when I was in about grade two, she started going back and she was a secretary in a law office for a long time. It wasn't until just before she died Mm -hmm. that she had finally realized her dream and her worth. So she became, she went back to, she was taking courses. She became the town clerk. Oh, nice. And she was the town clerk for about six months. Oh no. And then she was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and she died Ugh. within months. That's heartbreaking. And one of the things like she, she totally shut down and she talked about very little after her diagnosis. Cause she was so pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. She had lived her life in the healthiest possible way she could. Right? She was yoga. She yeah. ate really well. She grew all did of all the, the food. She did yeah. all of the things. And she had done them to be in service to, yes, to herself and her own body, but mostly to be in service to our family Mm -hmm. and to all the other people. And finally, she had her time and it was taken from her. Mm -hmm. And the viciousness of her anger when she died has stayed with me. Wow. I don't want to be angry like that. No, no. And I know that that's a really powerful story, Lisa. And I know I was thinking about this last night. If I, because I'm taking a leave from teaching next year Mm -hmm. so that I can pursue other things that are in my heart. And I know that if I chickened out or if, if I felt like I couldn't do it because I owed it to my family to stay in my stable job, I would be so pissed off too. Mm -hmm. And I just, and I know that feeling and like, Mm -hmm. I, I, so I have to do this. And I, I really do believe that there's more on the other side than the holding back and, and succumbing to the, the ceiling that, mm-hmm. the, that someone else decided is my worth. Yeah. The school board, whatever, whatever your job is, decides this is your worth. This is your ceiling. This is as high as you can possibly go. And I'm like, no way. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm going higher. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry about your mom, but that, that's a great story for all of us to really realize that you know, follow your dreams Mm -hmm. before it's too late. Yeah. 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 Because nothing is guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that is one of the things that I've been having conversations with women about is that why wait? Mm -hmm. If not now, when? When? One of, and then that's so funny that you say that because Mm -hmm. when I was about to take that yoga teacher training, a friend of mine was taking it. She was saying how much she was loving it. It was life-changing. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then um, I was like, you know what? It's just not a good time for me. I'm doing a play at school. Like I'm running, I'm producing a musical for crying out loud. I have two kids that play competitive sports. Like this is just not a good time. And then the, I said that to the yoga teacher because we did have a conversation and before I signed up and he said, when is now a good time? And I was like, huh, that's really interesting. And, And he said, we are having this conversation today for a reason. Now there was a piece of me in my mind thinking he just wants my money. And, and that's that skeptic that so many of yes. us have been trained to believe, but mm-hmm. he was right. Mm-hmm. I needed it at that time. And yeah. I, and it propelled me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it is the navigation of the skeptic. Yes. 
because that is so deeply ingrained. And when we think about like MLMs, yes, multi-level marketing, yeah. there's always that skepticism. Totally. But it's allowing p- women in particular mm-hmm. to claim their power back. Absolutely. It's actually a really fantastic business model. I mm-hmm. think unfortunately, like in any industry, one person spoils it for everybody. So Absolutely. one bad company that, that got a bad reputation. Now everyone thinks that all MLMs are like that. Mm-hmm. Just like in, you know, you, you run into one bad teacher and all of a sudden all teachers are horrible. Yeah. You have one bad doctor, one mm-hmm. bad dentist, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the majority are really excellent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But we have to navigate that because now we have that script of the skeptic yes. running constantly. It's so strong. It's so yeah. strong. Absolutely. And so, so much of that work is skeptic i hear you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i know you're trying to protect me Mm -hmm. and what i'm saying is really deeply true yeah yeah it's not it is not i'm gonna let you step back so that you can just let my voice come out the truth of my voice right that's so um powerful but also really hard for people to do oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) really really hard very it's taken me a really long time and I'm still, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm 95% there because mm-hmm. I still have that little voice sometimes that I have to squash back down, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I, then I think to myself, is that voice my, my gut or is that voice the skeptic? It's hard to know sometimes. And I, I don't know that we have to split hairs that much. Okay. Like when we recognize that, um, we are made up of so many different parts and none of those parts are bad. Mm-hmm. They serve like the, the gut, the skeptic, the observer, the, uh, like when you start thinking about all the parts that you have, some of them play roles that we don't like, mm-hmm. but they're there for a purpose. Yeah. And so really the work is recognizing that they're there because they're never going to go away. They're part of who we are. Yes, that's true. It's and and it is a constant cycle. Like there will there will be times where the part of me that is like, who do you think you are? That protector (laughs) part will totally relax back. And I'm like, okay, good. I got this nailed down. And then something will happen, and that protector part is right back there because Mm -hmm. they that protector part knows that they need to do a job again. Right. So it's this constant of evolution Mm -hmm. and it's having the tools and the Mm -hmm. skills to be able to work with those parts to let our true self shine. Absolutely. Because even when I start to doubt myself, I go back to some of the affirmations that I used to recite Mm -hmm. and then, and then the, um, the, the journaling and all the things that really helped me. Sometimes you think, okay, that helped me. So I don't have to do them anymore, mm-hmm. but it's actually a lifelong thing. Yeah. You have to keep doing it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you can't exercise one time. Right. And be like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it becomes our lives. That's right. So do you want to talk a little bit about the, um, the work that you're looking to do, create? Right. So, yeah. so through this, I'm, I'm really uh, helping, hoping to help women find themselves like I have, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because for so many years, like I said, I, I felt kind of squashed by the system and, and like, I felt like my creativity was being put on hold. And, and I, and luckily I've kind of felt found this industry that allows me to be creative and, and help women. And I just want to continue to do that. So I'm starting to develop a, a coaching business and the business is based on my personal experiences that I've had through yoga and, and that, um, training that I had to do the work that I had to do Mm -hmm. to take myself out of that mindset of like, I'm no good because I don't fit into this body mold and and all these things that I grew up believing 
uh, in the 90s in the modeling world and feeling like I wasn't worthy. And finally, I was able through all the, the work, the, the affirmations, the journaling, the yoga, the movement, uh-huh. um, the reading, um, find a good place for myself. And so I want to take some of the tricks that I've learned and help women get out of that funk uh-huh. and then also help them uh, in pro- uh, professionally. So finding what it is you really want to do, going back to that Dharma, who is uh-huh. that person inside of you? Maybe you've been in a job for 20 years, like I have, that is serving you in terms of like helping you be sustainable with your family, but it's not really serving you uh-huh. like in your best version of yourself. So hoping to help women find what it is that they want to do and uh, go beyond their expectations. Uh-huh. That's really exciting. Yeah, it is yeah. exciting. I'm calling it Grow and Glow. Ooh, so nice. I'm going to help women grow, and then I'm going to help them glow. All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and my program is the You Revolution. Ooh, so I feel like yes. there's some collaboration that yeah. can happen in the future. For sure. Thanks so much for being here Thank today. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, this conversation went in all kinds of places yeah, that I didn't expect. We could go on for hours. We could, and that's the magic. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending time with me today. It means so much to me that you give space for these conversations and these stories in your life. That's the goal of this podcast is to build heart and soul and thinking connections. And I can't share how grateful I am to you for giving time for this. Please rate, review, share this podcast It means so much to me when I hear back from listeners. Uh, If you scroll down in the description, you'll see a spot where you can send in uh, voice notes. You can also message me directly on my Facebook page or on Instagram. Your thoughts mean so much to me, and I am so grateful when you share them. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the Lean In community. Lots of love. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement. Inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast.